Humour is the secret sauce. It's the, the thing that connects us. I think, again, the formula for life, and it's heart, smart, and the third one is it's fart. And build those relationships is what makes us happy. It's what makes us successful. Hello and welcome to the Common Creative Podcast. My name is Chris Meredith. And my name's Paul Fairweather. And we're on a mission to lift the veil on creativity, work and beyond through the lenses of ideas, stories and visual cognition. Yes, Chris. And this week, I suppose the focus is a little bit towards storytelling. We have the fabulous Zara and Troy Love as our guests from a business they call Great Talk. And I've got to say that we've had a great talk, all four of us. It has been absolutely fantastic. And it's interesting, you're here in the show, but it's interesting how we talk about things like humour and storytelling, which can feel like kind of lighthearted, trivial subjects. And suddenly we're talking about deep, powerful things like human connection and how artificial intelligence could get in the way of that. And I'm really enjoying that and the insights that Troy and Zara bring about what makes a great story, the power of humour, even in adversity, are just the lessons for all of us. Yeah, look, some great tips in there about, you know, the, the elements of story and, and how to tell a good story. But I agree with you, Chris, that whole thing about connection is something that, you know, a lot of other guests we talk about, you know, we talk about connection and storytelling, but there's, there is something a lot deeper here in the way that approaches their, their philosophy. And I suppose their own connection, being married now 32 years, been working together for 30 of those years, which is quite incredible. And listen towards the middle, at least because there's a great story about their name, love. I suppose it's about their love life, so to speak. <laughs> Let's get a bit. Troy and Zara, welcome to the Common Creative Podcast. Hi, Paul and Chris. Thanks for having us. It's great pleasure to have you on the show. Uh, 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 there are two hosts, obviously, today. It's great to have two guests working in parallel, so it's a foursome today. Yes, it is. I'm surprised that any of us are going to be able to get a word in edgewise, but I like <laughs> a challenge, so let's see how we go. <laughs> Fantastic. Listen, just to kick off, uh, could you two give us a very brief potted history about how you landed up right here on our podcast today? Okay, I'll give you the very short version and then Zara can colour in between the lines if she right, wants. All right. uh, so we both originally trained as stage actors. So we came out of school loving theatre. We trained as stage actors at QUT. Zara actually finished her degree. She was the youngest ever to go through QUT. Um, I didn't finish mine. I went off to work at Movie World when that opened and we both worked in theatre for quite a while in Brisbane. We met uh, at her family's comedy restaurant, which was a Brisbane institution, quite literally. It was called Crazies. Uh, for 11 years and we met working there and eventually married of course and uh, this year we're celebrating 32 years together and 30 in business which has been quite amazing but that career has included obviously the cabaret stuff stand-up comedy then we did breakfast radio for about five years Uh, then more recently last 15 years we've been working in corporate Uh, so we talk to corporate groups about storytelling and how they use story in the way that they relate to their customers and to each other. We did almost, you know, it's funny how life works, that there's lots of near misses along the way. It's always quite right. I was the youngest to be accepted into acting college, but I had to act my way into that acting college. <laughs> it was back in the day when there were no computers 
Uh, and you had to enroll, you know, professionally and do with it. forms. With forms. Yeah, yeah. Now, I've been great with forms, so I didn't no. do them. I just showed up at the university and said, let me in. I should point out that Zara hasn't done a form in the 30 odd years we've been together. No. I do all of her forms That's generally right. and just say, sign here. That's right. I'm form impaired. <laughs> and I got there and uh, a, a woman greeted me and said, well, I don't have any of your forms. You can't audition. You can't be part of this program. You're going to have to leave. And I said, what are you talking about? And gave my greatest acting performance and told them I'd sent them in, that they had lost them. It was their responsibility. I was outraged. I've come up from the Gold Coast for this. This is unacceptable. <laughs> uh, I was allowed to audition and I was accepted. Turns out that woman, that amazing woman, was Troy's auntie. Yes. <laughs> and so I got wow. to work with her and I knew her. And in fact, Troy's mum before I got to meet Troy at our comedy club and it was love at first sight. In fact, our dinner party joke is we moved in the first night we got together. Some girls play hard to get. I play hard to get rid of. <laughs> uh, let me guess. They still haven't found those forms that you had definitely sent. <laughs> <laughs> no, they really haven't. They really haven't. In fact, we had uh, a drink with my auntie uh, and another teacher from that acting college just last weekend here in Melbourne. They were down for the football. So, yeah, yeah the relationships continue. Now, you guys are known for many things but uh, all conference emceeing i would guess is the thing that um most people will know you for and you do a double act making conferences come alive and getting engagement with audiences and so on and for my research there are, there are two strands to what you do storytelling which we've touched on and humor uh, it, it seems to be a really important theme for you and i just want to start off with a question about humor why is humour important to help people engage and to get them connected to a business topic and so on? The reason I ask is that it's, it seems to me the business isn't about humour, it's serious stuff. And, yeah. and, it's, and why, why is there an opportunity with humour? Ah, great. Uh, yeah. Great question. Humour is the secret source. It's the, the thing that connects us. If you put any group of people together that don't know each other, within 30 seconds there will be a laugh. Mm. because we crave it, we're looking for it. It allows us to say, I get you, I see you, I think I like you and want to spend more time with you. Uh, Edward de Bono famously said that humour is by far one of the most significant functions of the human brain because yes. it requires intelligence and a degree of psychological flexibility to be able to master. And de Bono has a big one, brain, I mean. Yes. <laughs> we, we have met and interviewed Edward and uh, yeah, yeah, he's quite the thinker. <laughs> uh, but, but when we laugh, we're in agreement. When we laugh, we're saying for a split second that uh, yes, whatever you are seeing in this world, I'm seeing it too. Mm. And I'm with you. I stand beside you. So there's a, it, it's, you know, it's not prayer and uh, that's probably too big a description, but for it can feel like that. It's such a powerful... It's a uniting force. Yeah, that's... Yeah, a conjoiner. Where did we lose our way? It seems to be not many people know that. I mean, it, it probably what, what helps fuel your career, you know, they can bring in some humour, bring in some connection with that humour, um, but you have to buy it in with Troy and Zari. Why, why don't the rest of us understand that? Well, I think it comes down to the fact, you know, we talk a lot about positive psychology tips and techniques, things that you can bring to make your work life and therefore the work life of those around you a little bit more enjoyable. And I think probably the, the key learning from all of that is that you can take your job seriously, but yourself lightly. Yeah. So I think people have kind of 
lost that distinction. We I can be serious and good at my job and capable, but I don't, you know, have to be serious in the way that I approach it. That's right. That's right. We and in fact, the more experienced you are, sorry, <laughs> please go. The, the more experienced and the more qualified you are, the less serious you need to be, which is yes. why you can see brain surgeons that'll work to, you know, death metal on in the background. <laughs> They're capable. They have that's the skills. True. And, and what might be seen as frivolous to someone else isn't to them. We think being serious is getting it done. We think that that's the forward motion that we need. And the amount of boardrooms that we've sat in prior to conferences, whether we're showing up as storytelling coaches, facilitators, or emceeing their conferences, the amount of times we've sat in these stunning boardrooms and someone has sat down or a team of 30 people have come in, sat down. Yes. Shuffled the papers. That's right. That's yeah. right. Okay, here we go. Agenda item one. And Troy and I are very subversive in those environments because it's not conducive to creativity or productivity. No. What is, is human connection and taking a moment to see the people that you're about to engage in or engage with and uh, having a human moment before you get to the work. And it's amazing when you do that, you accelerate the results. When you take the time to actually connect, be human and fabulous, uh, everybody relaxes and then the work tends to unfold fairly naturally. Mm. Yeah, that, which is why I think some of these techniques are important so that you can stay focused. You don't want to get lost in the weeds and, you know, it become a love fest and nothing gets done. You can still be productive, but I think you can look at the way, and these, you know, that's why your show is fantastic because you talk about creativity tools, how people apply their brains, how people choose to use their brains, and uh, how they choose to relate to others. So is, that, is that the fear that... Because I'm thinking, on the one hand, this intuitively makes perfect sense. And we're going, yeah, of course, it's good to have a laugh. And it does get you together with people. But, mm. you know, someone else is, I'm not going to do that because, you know, I'm not that kind of. Um, is the fear then that with too much of this stuff, this this terrible humor stuff, sure. that we are going to get lost in the weeds, that we won't, uh, I'll look like an idiot, that we won't be effective? Is is that about Yeah. Well, I Definitely. think it's the balance. I think Troy's quite right. It's finding that that correct balance between, and we've got a formula that we use in our storytelling masterclasses. And in fact, it's a it's our philosophy, and it's a philosophy for life. But it's also a formula and a, a structure that you can craft any communication around, any keynote around. And we coach professional speakers to be able to craft their stories and deliver those on big stages. But it's a three-part process that I think is, again, the formula for life. And it's heart, smart, and the third one is quite possibly what has already popped into your head <laughs> or out your butt. It's fart. So the heart, smart, <laughs> and the fart, really, really simple. And it's, in fact, what we crafted our animation series around. So the heart is vulnerability. Yeah. It's the truth. It's the highs, the lows. It's all the things that I've gotten wrong in my life. It's all the moments that have been beautiful and rewarding. It's two words, human and humour. So, yeah, we've got both those, both those meanings. That's right. So heart is from the heart to the heart. It's the connective piece. Yeah. The smart is the edification that you know what you're talking about, that you're worthy of being listened to. It's the statistics, the proof, the background. It's everything that shows that you're somebody I need to pay attention to. And the fart is really just the ability to be good company. Mm. You know, we always say that if you want a good company, learn to be good company. And when you learn the art of being the sort of person that others want to spend time with, uh, humour just flows. You don't yeah. have to 
focus on it. You don't have to go, oh, we need a joke here or it's been, you know, exactly 37 seconds since anyone laughed. It just flows easily. And I think the other thing too, which people might get wrong about humour and about being a bit more gregarious is it's not just for the, you know, the very um, socially capable people. I think if you find yourself socially awkward or socially anxious, what you can take away from some of the things that we talk about and from storytelling in particular is that your authenticity is something that might be able to set you free. If you can relax into yourself and go, it's okay that I'm a bit quirky and I'm a bit different and I don't think the same as everyone else, that's okay. I can still choose to relate to them and they can still learn more about me and maybe we're all better off because of that. Yeah, well, it relaxes the person that's doing it, but it relaxes everybody else that's part of that as well because they go, oh, my goodness, and I can just be me. I've got permission all of a sudden to share my challenges or to be as quirky as I am and we often teach people to to work their quirks, mm. to, to tap into those quirks because they become the most interesting part of a presenter. They become the most interesting part of a story. And also, I guess, in this world where everything is content, you know, where, where those of us who are, you know, pushing shows out there or content out there, you know, you want to be able to have an impact. So I think um, uh, the way that you go about that is to allow people to be themselves and to be genuinely interested when they respond as themselves yeah. and just accept that there's a, actually a lot more neurodiversity out there in the world than we probably think. Mm. And that's okay because <laughs> the one thing that people can't replicate is your uniqueness. Mm. You are you and that's that's it. But you're quite right. There's a lot of fear. There is a lot of fear that I'll be revealed if I front up and share this kind of part of me that normally I, I keep hidden. There's a lovely irony in what you're saying. We've got two trained actors, people who, who, who know how to adopt a role, talking about being revealing and being themselves. Yeah. <laughs> well, well yeah. do you know what? Last year, and we're about to start it again, we, we ran a program with uh, the Telstra leadership team with a, a group of their ambassadors at Telstra, just beautiful humans. 20 of them went through the program over around six months and it culminated with them performing uh, a five-minute speech, I guess you could call it speech, a conversation on stage in front of a live audience that was also hybrid in front of their colleagues, their peers. But the only rule was they weren't allowed to talk about tech (laughs) and it was a scripted piece. So they had to script it, think about it, learn it and deliver it. Now, we know in the industry five minutes is nothing, right? Mm -hmm. We, We stand on stage anywhere from 90 minutes to five days and have to engage an audience. It's nothing. And yet it was the one of the most challenging tasks any of those people have ever undertaken. And these are very capable, very smart, very technically minded yeah. types. Yeah. In humans and what they shared, the stories, their backgrounds, their pains, their victories. You, you sat there through all 20 of those presentations, and that's quite a lot of presentations. It is. And had goosebumps the whole time because you knew that human standing before you was sharing a part of themselves that they never normally would. Yeah. Also, they were sharing it in a way that was healing for them and healing for the audience. So it allowed us to start looking at our own lives, uh, and, and th- that's the power of a great story. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to to bring it back. We were speaking earlier about you know it not being a love fest, um, <laughs> and as Troy picks up his cup that's got love written on it. Uh, <laughs> and what about uh, mine? your uh, your 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 name is is love, uh, Troy and Sarah? Love. Uh, tell us the story about that. 
<laughs> yeah, well, as I mentioned, 32 years together this year, 30 in our business. Um, but yeah, we were Swindells. I'm a Swindells uh, from North Queensland, D-E-L-L-S. And Zara's a gross, G-R-O-S-E. And when we got married way back in 1995, kids, we decided to hyphenate and we became Swindells Gross, uh, which is a very long name and about 76 points on a Scrabble triple word school. But we loved it. We loved it. We were really proud of that. We, it was progressive and it was what we wanted to, to do. But many years in, we kind of realised, Troy's quite right, that to spell it every day, and you do have to spell that, Many a times a day. Especially when you're travelling every other week as we were. It was fatiguing. You know, you get S-W-I-N-D-E-L-L-S hyphen. Oh, and how many people don't know what a hyphen is? There are hyphen without enough space. You Exactly, exactly. So so we made a decision. We want to be people who bring love into this world. We want to be people who feel love and share love and promote love and we decided that we would go and officially change our name to Troy and Zara Love, mm. which has been one of the best decisions of our lives. And the amount of time, I would say daily, someone says, oh, what a lovely name. <laughs> Such a different response to what? Swindles gross. Can you spell it again? You sound like a bank robbing duo. Yeah. Swindles and gross, But at any point you can rebrand and you have to mm. notice when the story has stopped working for you. And uh, I don't think I noticed for a long time how annoyed I was getting with that. So I went, okay, we need to we need to change that up. And luckily Troy's very organised and knows how to keep a list of 200 organisations that we also have to change our name with. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> all, all, those, all those forms. Um, <laughs> those forms. Yes, I'm very good at forms. I can do forms. <laughs> uh, we, we had an earlier guest uh, whose name's Charlie Marker. He, Charlie is eight. I think he might have been seven when he came on our show. Seven. He's, in, he's an incredibly drawer. We had his dad on subsequently, in fact, the last episode last week, uh, and his name is Charlie Byrne, but because he uses Posca Marker, they call him Charlie Marker. And I was showing, so I tell everybody, you've got to listen to this podcast and show him on his, his Instagram. They go, that's amazing, his name's Marker. <laughs> Although, I, I would say that how often do you come across someone yes, that yes. is the case? You know, you come uh, you come across a footballer who whose surname is almost footballer. You know, you go. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it does yeah. happen. Well, well, look, my name's Fairweather, and you know, look at look at this, look at look at look at that. That's just uh, look at a little sunshine up here. Yeah, lovely. You know, so so it folds. I like it. You're you're getting yeah. a little blurry there, Paul. Is that happening inside <laughs> your head or just outside your head? No, it's just it's just a sunshine. My my Fairweather uh, aura. <laughs> when, when, it comes, when it comes to surnames, we don't want to know what the Hancocks are up to. <laughs> um, right. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I have a story about that. We might share that later. Um, about, um, yeah, so I'm really interesting. So you, you do, would you say that storytelling is at the heart of what you do? I know that you work with a lot of speakers, a lot of people around storytelling. You've got these other things. But on top of that, I've had the pleasure of being in one of your, you know, fairly short workshops, and it was this information about storytelling, about heart smart and fart. But um, one of the things that you really focused on was getting us in the audience to connect with each other, mm. and I thought that was really fabulous. And, and I got to say, I, I know that you had an experienced audience, uh, audience of speakers, mm. but some of the stuff was a little bit um, challenging. challenging. I think we had to stare at a stranger for 
I mean, a couple of minutes. <laughs> That's hard work. Yeah, well, it is hard work. So, can you sort of unpack that? And you know, do you ever, do you ever sort of get into a position where oh, that, that went a little bit too far, or like? Yeah, yeah not not yet, not yet. Although I, I think that the world we're very um, we're more careful in this world than we used to be. Yeah, yeah. In terms of having to do trigger warnings and things like that, but, and especially having come from nineteen ninety stand up comedy, yes. which was a very different world. <laughs> you know, basically paid to get abused at those. It's all about. It's all about connection. That's why we tell stories. That's why we stand on stage. That's why we're in business. That's it's. We live in a relational world. Learning to relate better and build those relationships is what makes us happy. It's what makes us successful. But we're not great at it. We think we're better at it than we are. And that eye contact exercise, it's an it's an oldie but a goldie, and I love doing it. I think I just threw it in at that workshop um, off the cuff. I think I remember asking if you've done it before. But it, it's wonderful because it's really just a minute of looking, just just seeing the person opposite you. We ask you not to do anything other than just stand with someone, just see the human that's, that's across from you. And we only do it for 60 seconds. In fact, I tell people it's 60 seconds. I often just do it for 40 seconds. That's about as long as most people can go. That's right. And you can feel the whole room just drop their shoulders as soon as you say, okay, that's enough now, and relax. They giggle. They laugh. They debrief. Some people find it impossible. They'll just giggle all the way through it. Some people fall in love with each other within 30 seconds. Oh, they just have a magic little moment. They stand opposite somebody, and all of a sudden they see – the fear in the eyes. They see the joy in the eyes. They see the life in the eyes. They I remember see- we uh, we did it with a group from aged care, and it actually took them a while afterwards because they were all hugging. So it took them a while to come back <laughs> afterwards because they really got into it in that moment. I guess they are carers, so but but they really felt that moment. That's right. But but that's just the foundation for the conversation that follows. Mm. So that's just really priming the couple to be able to be present with each other enough to go into a, a a more heartfelt conversation or a meatier conversation or a, a difficult conversation. Because it actually builds trust, right? So if I've had this moment with you where we, even if we don't know each other, we've stared at each other a bit, it's been a bit awkward, we've had a bit of a chuckle over it, there's a lot more trust all of a sudden. So that then we can ask you to have another conversation about maybe where you grew up or or something else that might have an emotional element, and you're going to be okay with it because you feel like you're in good hands. Mm. Is, are we are we talking about the negativity of social media here? I, I, the reason I ask is that I, I wonder if the more we surround ourselves by social media and we're putting stuff out there about how successful or popular you are, the less, well, the more we're forgetting or losing our ability to connect. And, and therefore, an exercise like this, just looking at someone's face without a other brief than just look, suddenly opens doors that we've learned to kind of ignore or to shut because of, you know, social media. Is, yeah. Are, are yeah. we talking about, is this a response to the negativity of social media? We're, well, yeah. We, we If we don't have a genuine human connection, we wither and we die. You know, we all know that the first three years of any human's life, it's really key that you're held and nurtured and supported and cuddled and fed and all of those things. If you don't have that, you develop a really – challenging attachment style and you can struggle in your relationships now with social media you're quite right yes we're connecting but we're not connecting necessarily on truth. the mm. the deeper level with the truth mm. of us and you know the eye contact thing is really really fascinating use try this 
next time you go to a shopping centre or you're in a busy area, the city, anywhere. This one's great if you're a little bit unsure of yourself or if you feel social anxiety too. Yeah, j- just literally walk by people and try to give them a gentle smile but look in their eyes as you will pass them. Now, what's going to happen, 96% of people are instantly going to look down, look away. Yep. Yeah. You're going to get a couple that will look at you and go, what are you looking at? <laughs> yep. <laughs> so you've got to do, you can't do it in an aggressive kind of way. You no, just do it in a gentle, gentle. smile and kind of way. Yep. Um, and then you might have one person that sees you, looks at you, you have this little magic winky moment with, they pass you and they're gone. But the majority of people instantly, if they feel that somebody is looking at them, look away. Yeah. Now, I'm not telling you to do it for that reason, but just notice it. And then- there's something kind of amazing because you go, no one's looking at me. No, even though I might feel that is the case, they're actually not. I'm feeling chubby today. My hair's not done. I haven't done my makeup. Who cares? Not one person cares what I look like. And it's kind of empowering. Mm-hmm. You go, I just, well, it's like I'm Moses, you know, parting the, the sea of humans. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And, um, and I can get people further away from me if by just by looking at them. Mm. But... We need to bring that back into our relationships and have more meaningful conversations with people and get away from just the surface level. Yeah. I, I, I love to use it. It's interesting how this topic of creativity and storytelling that Paul and I explore allows us to flip between seemingly trivial things you know, like humour and stories and then this very deep topic of human connection and how what people are and what makes us aware of how we make things happen um i, I, th- I think it's it, it, it's absolutely appropriate to be tapping into something very powerful very deep through these apparently light subjects um it made oh, as you was chatting i was thinking i wonder if that's why we like kids and babies so much because they just look at you with big open eyes they don't look away they're not trained to be shy or to judge things mm-hmm. they just look and it's like yes Yes. yes, or our fur babies. Oh my goodness! Yes, melt cats look into our eyes. Watches, <laughs> I love it. But it's also a gift. It's a gift that you can give. You can consciously set your intention, and it's the simplest thing you can do. I mean, how many times have you been at a a, a supermarket and just been in your own head, getting your stuff, walk through, you know, don't think about the person that's serving you, having just a split second of noticing the color. Of the eyes of the person behind the counter there. Do you get a person behind your counter? <laughs> well, 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 I'll probably celebrate that while they're still there. I think it's a really incredible insight because, you know, we, we talk a lot and lately we've been having a few conversations about online and live and, you know, and sort yeah. of back live and stuff. And I think it's very interesting because it is very difficult to look someone on, in the eye when you're on Zoom. <laughs> Yes. Because the camera, you know, I'm looking you at the eye now, all of you, all six eyes of you, um, but I'm not getting any connection because I can't see you because I'm looking at the camera. And so, and and in fact, you know, you're taught to look at the camera, uh, not at the people so that, you you know, you look like you're looking at them, but you're actually not. And so I, I wonder whether, you know, that sort of tips the balance of saying, well, you know, whatever you do, you can't really make a connection because it comes down because the eyes have it effectively. The eyes do have it, absolutely. And I think failing that, let, let's say we, we're in an environment where we can't be in the same place 
and we do have to do it over Riverside or Zoom, I, I think that there is still the possibility to have an honest and meaningful conversation that's transformative. And our company's Great Talk. We believe the essence of a great talk is where you leave that exchange, leave that conversation feeling positively changed yeah. in some way, yeah. where you walk away with a new insight, you walk away with a new way of seeing your life, you walk away, you know, having to question something that perhaps you've always just accepted. Uh, so there is still a way to connect with words through story that still has the ability to move people. And we often talk about the fact that emotion is key, right? So we, we zip up our emotions in the corporate world. We zip up our emotions because we don't want to reveal to people that we're not as cool and hip and happening and got it all together as... As our Instagram. As our Instagram. <laughs> yeah. right. No one is, let's face it. Um, but, but the truth of us is more profound and you can only run away from that for so long before That's it true. starts tapping you on the shoulder again. So the, the, the connective tissue between two human beings is in the stories that we tell each other mm -hmm. and the stories that we tell ourselves. It, it really just comes down to those two things. And for the uh, technical fans, uh, you might be interested to know that Microsoft has a new AI-powered app that you can use that corrects your eyeline. So you can actually record things uh -huh. reading, a, reading a prompter, but the video will, you'll be down the barrel. <laughs> so that's coming right now. Oh, yeah. Um, listen, we've talked a bit about humour and we've referenced stories how uh, they bring together, but if, if someone's inspired to tell more stories because there's something about stories that brings people together, what makes great, what, what tips have you got for people to, to help them tell powerful stories? I think one of the big misconceptions for people is that great storytellers are just great storytellers naturally, and that is definitely not the case. You know, some of the very best storytellers we've ever encountered are people that work on their craft, that are great writers, that are great riffers, they go back over their content, they've practiced that story. I mean, I think of stand-up comedians, we came from that world, you would practice that joke to friends, to mates, to other stand-ups, that even when they knew you were doing material, yeah. you would do that 10, 15 times before you got on stage. You might get on stage and it still doesn't work, but if you believe in that bit of material, you will come back to it, you will find a way to fine-tune it and make it work. That's so I think one misconception is that oh, you just have to be good off the cuff, and that's not really it. You do need to spend maybe some time, put some effort into, and give some love to those stories that you do want to share. That's it. And, and the other, the flip side to that is... Uh, low-hanging fruit, the, the stories that are going to be powerful and impactful for any audience, whether it's an audience of one, a conversation, or whether it's an audience of a million, are the ones that are right under your nose. They're the ones that are part of your life already. You know, often a great story, you, you can measure its success as to whether it's dinner party worthy, yes. you know, whether it's the sort of thing that you could share at a dinner party and people would either say, why are you telling us this? Well, oh, I love that story. And chances are you will pull out the one that is dinner party worthy because you've told it before yeah. and you know that it gets a laugh or it gets a response. <laughs> so you've actually you've actually fine-tuned that story by telling it and retelling it a number of times. And, and probably just one last thing to that would be then listening to what's being shared around you. I mean, how many times have you sat with four people? Maybe it's a little stilted in the conversation. Someone starts a story, then all of a sudden... The other three go, oh, oh, I had the same experience. Yes, I've got one. 
Yeah. We're looking for that spark. We're looking for that relatability spark, something that shows us. Yeah. Yeah. We've um, we've interviewed a neuroscientist, a guy called Professor Uri Hassan, who studied storytelling, and and he says it's it's as though you're sharing the experience with the storyteller. Your your brain mimics the brain patterns of the storyteller. So it's even though they're not with you when that whatever it was happens, ah, yes. they feel the right, same right. Yeah, 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 and it's that mirror neuron thing, right? It's why we can watch, um, you know, sporting fails and cringe because we can imagine ourselves in that situation. Yeah, so that's right. we actually, and that, a lot of the content that we do in our sessions as well, we like to um, get people firing between left and right brain deliberately. For them, it'll it might seem very, oh, oh what are we doing now? Because, and that's quite deliberate. We're trying to get that connection between different sides of the brain going in them internally and then extend that out to the people in the room. But, but that's bang on. It should feel like a vicarious experience. A great story well told should feel like you're grabbing the audience by the hand and uh, pulling them into the story. I always think about the there's a scene in Mary Poppins, the old movie with Dick Van yeah. Dyke, and they go to the park and there's an artist there and they all jump into a black and white picture and all of a sudden it becomes colour. And to me, that's the art of storytelling, the ability to, to take someone from a black and white view and make them feel like they're living this experience with you so all of a sudden it becomes beautiful and vivid and technicolour. Now, now, I love that analogy uh, and metaphor because we were saying earlier, when I've seen you guys on stage in any of your show reels, you really look like your you're, uh, flower children from the 60s. Uh, and, and yet you're sitting here today, both of you are Melbourne black. Uh, yes, in fact, yeah. we're, we're all in black today, so there's not a lot of, uh, yeah. not a lot of colour going on at all. Um, I, I suppose that, look, sadly, we, we've come to uh, our time's almost up. But just to finish, I just wonder if you could, you know, maybe to, to, to round this off, is what makes a good ending of a story? You know, what, how, how do you wrap the story up? How, how do you tie it in a bow or, or leave people wanting more, whatever it is? It's very specific yeah. because I think that it changes depending on the storyteller and depending on the story. But think of it in terms of the old storytelling. So let's go to uh, fairy tales, not the oldest, but fairy tales. There was always a, a moral. There was always a reason for telling that story. A point. Yeah, it was a yeah. cautionary tale or we were showing somebody what to do or what not to do. So I think a story without a point is not a great story and I think a point without a story is not a great point so finding a way to to deliver both of those things in in an intricate way in a, in a, a theatrical way is the smartest thing you can do just make sure we understand why you told us the story yeah. Make it relevant for me, the audience. And I think back on where we started, I, I mentioned neurodiversity earlier on. Uh, the one thing that writers and, and performers are going to really experience, as is everyone in the world, very soon is AI and the impact of that. So uh, back to that uniqueness, I think the uniqueness and the stories that are yours and only yours are that point of difference. It's, you know, an AI can't draw on that time when I was six years old and I was going to girl guides, you know, and I, I can't draw on. Why were you, Troy? Yeah, <laughs> but at 18, you know, when I was out sailing with a mate on a catamaran, you know, that it doesn't have that depth of human experience that we do. It can draw on other people's, but it'll never have that connection to it yeah. that we have and therefore the ability to express that to another person. That's right. And your unique perspective is key. That's what we want to know about. 
Mm-hmm. You want to know how you think, how you feel, where you've been, why you are the person you are. And if you can ball that up into a forward direction for us, great. <laughs> Fantastic. Well, look, thank you both so much for your time. And I know that, uh, Troy, you'll be a bit croaky today, but you sound absolutely fantastic. So, uh, uh, thank you. Yeah, uh, we're both a bit croaky, but that's part of Melbourne, Melbourne winter for you. Yeah. Uh, Troy, uh, thank you. So, uh, wonderful. I hope I'll see you on stage before too long. And if not, I'll tune in to Disrupt Radio, which is your new uh, digital radio chat. Yeah, brand new show coming, a great talk with Troy and Zara on Disrupt.radio, which is DAB in Brisbane, Sydney and Melbourne and streaming at Disrupt.radio. Can't wait. Thank you. Fantastic. Thanks for that. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Chris. Great talk. Thank you, guys. Okay, well, Chris, uh, how amazing was that? Eh? What, what a wonderful couple who've actually changed their names to be sort of more than married, I think. They weren't together, they're married together, and they've each changed their names. They're now in it, they are now love. It, it, what a wonderful, wonderful um, couple. Um, can't wait to hear how good they are. I know they're in the same room sitting next to each other, and they've obviously got their neurotransmitters firing, but they're so good at the way they segue from one to the other and, you know, leave a gap. And, uh, and, uh, and a lot like we, you and I are, Chris, when we're live, but. Uh, I was going to say, there's Laurel and Hardy, there's Troy and Zara, and of course there's Paul and Chris. But and it is powerful. It's interesting how two, two. I don't know, it's an old cliche, two heads better than one, but anybody that's working alone and, you know, with the event of Zoom and Teams, I think lots more people are working by themselves, even if they're part of a big organisation. But it does demonstrate two people riffing off each other, more enjoyable, more powerful. Yeah, no, really good. I, I, love, I love their background, comedy and, and acting and... Yeah, so look, uh, we trust that you enjoy that episode. And if you have, please leave us a rating. We'd love it. It's a five star rating, but a rating, uh, some feedback and comments on the show. But most of all, please tell your friends, ask them to listen in. It helps our guests get the word out there, it helps us spread the news about creativity. Um, and uh, we'd be wondering where he goes to. So please tell your friends and uh, listen in to next week's show. Yes, in, in fact, in this case, we can say, please share the love. Um, <laughs> that, that thing, share the Zara and Troy love podcast episode, but short to share the love. So share the love. <laughs> please share the love. And we'll see you next week. Bye for now.